All right, everyone. Sorry for the uh, the delay there. I forgot to turn the microphone on. That would be a problem. So hope everyone can hear me using this new mic. Uh, worked last time, so hopefully it works this time. Hey, it's good to see everybody on a nice Friday night. It is the second Friday of the month, which means it's Samaka Place. Uh, Samaka, last time I checked, was still in lockdown, but I'm told they could be open as of the 18th, which would be cool because we might be able to get there before Christmas. I'm hoping that's the case. Um, Good to see everyone. I've had a wild, I've had a wild few days. Uh, I'm doing a wedding tomorrow, and I did the rehearsal yesterday, and I had a kind of a ministry crisis just before I got here today, so that kind of took up part of the afternoon, and uh, so I'm a little, a little foozled here, a little, little, um, a little unprepared, honestly. I haven't prepared as strongly as I usually do, uh, because I've just had so many things going on. But that said, that's not going to stop me. You know me, I'm going to preach no matter what, and I know the Holy Spirit's just going to fill me and do what He does. So uh, uh, I want to talk about something really kind of fun. I'm going to get my notes up here. Um, a while back, you may remember, I, I told you about there was this guy. <laughs> this guy came to the house. He was a sprinkler guy. And uh, uh, he was doing a sprinkler box. We got this underground sprinkler system, and the dogs chew it up. and all that. Anyway, he was helping us out. And we had a more really nice guy. He was kind of in crisis. His life wasn't going the way he wanted it to. And... Uh, um, he was hurting pretty bad. So we started talking to him. And of course, when you're in our house, you get to talk about God because that's what we do. We talk about God here. And uh, he's an atheist. And uh, we're talking. And he's an, he's an articulate guy, intelligent guy. And at one point, he looks at me and he says, I can't believe someone as intelligent as you is so delusional. <laughs> cracked me up. Just cracked me up. Because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, uh, you just you just got so backwards. Uh, but God bless him, right? You know, you know, we ministered to him and all those kind of things, that, but I don't think it ever took. Uh, but the reason I, I was thinking about that yesterday was I had written a blog, and I think I wrote it, I don't know, I, I don't even know when I wrote it. I write these things, and I don't know who reads them, I don't know if anybody reads them, but every once in a while I get a comment. And the comment uh, that I got, this one I, I wanted to share with you. So let me, let me read this, it's off to uh, my left, you're probably your right. It says, quote, I struggle to believe anyone would even write this stuff. No human free will or actions cause things like tornadoes, earthquakes, or tsunamis. Likewise, we are not responsible for many diseases. I did not do anything to cause the disabilities I was born with, and nor did anyone else. Simply, you can't blame people for these things. To say so is totally absurd. And as for the fallen world narrative, well, there was no fallen world. There has been death and suffering in the world as long as there have been living and sentient creatures, long before humans existed. The same with earthquakes, tsunamis, disease, etc. These all happened long before humans appeared. You cannot blame human sin for these things. I don't understand how anyone with an ounce of intelligence could possibly believe this rubbish. <laughs> I wrote him back. I'm like, yeah, you know, I get it. If you don't have God, you can't believe any of that stuff, right? I mean, it, it is foolish. It's just foolish to believe that stuff. Um, but those of us that have God and have um, spiritual wisdom, not human wisdom, uh, get it. And, you know, I could take him on in all these arguments, but what, what would be the point, right? He's kind of got his opinion, and I respect his opinion. No, not everyone has to believe. And if you don't believe and don't have God, okay, whatever. You know, that's your choice. But I wanted to go through, because these two, these two examples, the guy that said I'm delusional and this guy that uh, thinks I'm full of rubbish or whatever it is, uh, not intelligent, whatever. Um, and I wrote him back and said, you know, maybe I'm just an adult. Who knows? Uh, I want to read for you 1 Corinthians. Uh, chapter 1, 18 through 30. It's a longer chat, le longer uh, section, but it's important for what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, so I'm going to read it, and then we'll get into what we're going to talk about. I'm going to read it if I can find glasses. There they are. Okay. 
All right. Here, why I've hit my microphone. Sorry about that, guys. Um, here we go. Chapter one. And this is the first Corinthians. And this is going to start at verse 18. The subtitle is Christ, the wisdom and power of God. For the word of the cross is folly, folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. So I'm going to stop right there. Okay. So right here in God's words, Paul is telling us that, that those of us who believe in, in the, the sacrificial death of Jesus on a cross, that he died for our sins because we are sinful and there's nothing we could do to reconcile ourselves with God. And Jesus paid the price for that through propitiation. And we were sanctified through faith of grace, right? All that stuff, all the stuff we believe in doctrine, it is folly. It is folly to those who are perishing, which means unbelievers. So the world thinks we're stupid, okay? Um, then he says here that, that I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. That's God saying this. So he thinks, he's saying, those of you uh, that, that are worldly thinking that you understand, you know, wisdom, and those of you who think you have discernment, well, you're going to find out you don't. Okay, keeps going. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the, it, uh, excuse me, for since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. So he's saying, look, because you don't even understand wisdom, I'm just going to use, I'm going to use things that you think are stupid to save people. Okay. Then, then Paul goes on here. Uh, for Jews demand signs and Greeks to seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. So again, God chose fishermen, and he chose tax collectors, and you know, people that were not considered the high-end, highbrow people. Um, you weren't powerful. Not many of you were noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what was foolish in the world to shame the wise. That's the key verse here. And what he's saying is, I, I'm going to use just, the world's going to look at this and say, that's just nuts. That's, you, you're an idiot, right? Um, uh, and Gideon says, God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. So so it's exact opposite of how the world works. He's going to use the things that are the throwaway, marginal, idiotic, stupid stuff that everyone looks at and just shakes their head. And he's going to use that as his power. Okay. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom for God, from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And so they're saying, uh, uh, one of the reasons, the other reason that God did this was, you have nothing to boast about. There's nothing, you're, you're, you're doing foolish things. You're there. You don't have any intelligence. It's not about you. It's about God's wisdom. Right. And I love that. I love that because when you look back at what these fellows were saying to me, uh, I, well, this is why I smile. You know, I'm, I'm a fool to them. I, I, I told them my story, for example, I talk about, you know, the jobs that God called me away from to uh, go into ministry. And, 
on paper and in the world in the worldly sense right they were high-end jobs they you know I, I held the nation's highest security clearances and intelligence officer and did some hula stuff at, at the Oregon Department of Veterans Affairs I was like running everything um, you know I was king of my kingdom but they see that and they think why would you throw that stuff away that's the pinnacle you're at the you're at the height of your earning capacity why well, you just you're a fool you, you you know you put your family at risk because you're not making money blah 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 and that's all worldly stuff and it's foolish and the decisions you make seem foolish they, I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue with them they, they do and even scripture says scripture says the stuff that we do as Christians is gonna look foolish and God's going to use that to save people and I find it the more I'm in the ministry the, the more true it gets okay uh, uh, I won't tell the story tonight I'll, I'll leave that just just FYI as a side note if you could pray for a guy named Jaeger I'd appreciate it God knows what's going on um, so let me let me go through some things that God requires of us as Christians that uh, that's that the world would see as foolishness just just right off the bat okay love your enemies Jesus says you've heard it you've heard it said uh, an eye for an eye but I tell you love your enemies and so it was exact opposite of what it said so the, the world the world's way was eye for an eye and in that Jewish culture if someone wronged you they had to pay and in Sharia law for example if you steal with your right hand your right hand gets cut off it's an eye for an eye it's, it's literally an eye for an eye and Jesus comes along and says no you love your enemies you pray for those who persecute you you know even on the cross he's praying father uh, forgive them they know not what they do and which is insane from the worldly perspective you go how how why you 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 know as the worldly brain you just can't get your head wrapped around it that that why would Jesus how could Jesus do that that's just that's just nutty that's just insane because it doesn't compute to the worldly world okay forgive as if it never happened this is the forgive and forget part so we all get the idea that we're supposed to forgive Jesus said forgive uh, uh, others as the Lord has forgiven you if you don't forgive others he won't forgive you but we forget that the way God forgives is as if it never happened we're supposed to forgive as if it never happened we're supposed to forgive and forget which is really brutal really hard um, people would tell you you're an idiot for doing that because that's foolish you got to have boundaries you got to make sure that people pay the price there's got to be accountability and justice right but God says vengeance is mine don't don't worry about it your job is to love everybody and God will sort them out later and that makes people's heads explode because it's not fair it's not fair right in the world you got to hold people accountable and uh, you can't just leave things to, to some some magical spirit at the end right and and so no I, I I can get it I can get it let's see what else he God says give grace to people and grace is giving them something they didn't deserve right and give them mercy which is withholding something that they do deserve that's exactly the opposite of the world you never give somebody something they didn't deserve you have to earn it in this world you earn everything you earn respect you earn trust everything's earned and if you didn't earn it you don't get it so when you give something to someone they didn't earn or didn't, don't deserve you're a fool because you're just enabling them right and if you're showing mercy to somebody and you're withholding from them the justice they deserve you're 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 causing trouble in the community you're 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 letting people go run amok you're not holding people accountable right all the stuff it's and it is foolish it, 
it, and it can result in some bad things. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, look at this uh, uh, anti-police culture you got out there where people are saying, well, I, what was it? I was reading this morning, um, trying to remember which city this was. I think it was San Francisco. The district attorney was basically blaming the system that a guy that got out of jail because they didn't, you know, prosecute him where he was supposed to have got an AR-15 and shot somebody. And they're like, oh, the system bailed this, the killer. And you're just like, that is just so, just a foolish comment. I get what he's saying, but, you know, even even those of the faith go, just, I can't get my head wrapped around it. Um, but as Christians, we show love, grace, and mercy to those who don't earn it. We're supposed to die to ourselves and pick up our cross. Our, our culture is, it's about the individual, baby, especially in America. It's about me. Uh, I have rights. You can't take my rights away. Sure, I'm a Christian, and, and, and the scriptures say, you know, as far as it relies on you, be peaceful and, and obey the government because the king has a sword for a reason. Unless it crosses my individual rights bounds, and then you can't do anything to me. I mean, people in olden days, they walked. They walked to the stake to be burned at the stake. Tyndale, who was, was persecuted because he uh, uh, wrote a, had the audacity to write a Bible in the language of the people, um, went to the stake to get burned and wouldn't let him tie his hands. He says, I won't, you don't need to tie my hands. And he just stood there and burned. You know, Christians, we don't care about our rights, our individual liberties. We care about dying to ourselves and picking up our cross daily. And that is foolishness to people because we get abused. We, we get run over. We have no boundaries, all that kind of stuff. Okay. How about this one? We're supposed to use our resources, time, talent, treasure, to help those who don't have resources. And, and people say, well, you know, philanthropy is good. But, you know, Scripture says give sacrificially. The one who Jesus saw giving at the, uh, uh, at the synagogue who was praised was the widow who gave her last two cents, not the people that gave out of their wealth. And so most philanthropy um, is giving out of their wealth. Uh, I, I can think of one exception right now. That's a gal that was the, uh, she was the wife of Bezos, the Amazon guy. I forget her name. But she's been giving away billions of dollars. I, pretty much everything she got from, from Bezos in the divorce from Amazon, she's given away. And, I, you know, bully on her. That's what, that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, but people don't do that. We give out of our wealth. We don't give sacrificially. But that's what we're called to do. And people say, why are you spending all your money on, on this? There's no return on it. Well, not a worldly return. They think we're crazy and, and foolish because we believe there's someone listening to our prayers. And they think we're just praying to the ceiling. They think we're foolish because we believe the miracles of Scripture. We believe that the Red Sea was parted by Moses. And we believe in the Immaculate Conception and Virgin Birth of Jesus. We believe in... Um, uh, Moses and, and, and taking on Pharaoh with all the plagues. We, you know, we believe all that stuff. We believe Jonah was swallowed by a whale or a big fish, whatever it was. Right? That's foolish. They think we're foolish because we believe in an unseen God that's not provable through empirical science. They believe that we're nuts because we think Jesus is God incarnate. He wasn't just a man or philosopher or prophet. He was God. They think we're crazy. And we believe in this trendy thing. And they just think that's foolishness. So the question gets to be, if, if, if all of this stuff that is the doctrine of our faith is foolishness to the world, why would God do that? I always, you know, I have a question, you know, why doesn't God just show up and go, boom, I'm here? And, and, 
you know, show everyone, say enough. Well, eventually that happens. You know, you read, you read Revelation, Jesus comes and, and boom, he's here. Every knee will bow. I get that. But, you know, why, why do we go through this rigmarole of all these things where people just think we're foolish and delusional and whatever other words uh, um, that people come up with? Why? Why? Well, I, I think there's a, a, a lot of reasons, to be honest with you. Um, you know, God could just show himself, but there is no faith involved in that, is there? See, I think, I think that one of the things God covets the most is faith. This idea that we will blindly trust him. Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and believed. Remember when Doubting Thomas was like, stick my finger in your hole kind of thing, and then hold your hands, holding your feet. Jesus said, that's great, because you, you believe now that you've seen, but blessed are those who have not seen. So those of us who have not seen, we're blessed. Well, how do, how do we, why are we blessed? Well, because we have faith. We have faith. Abraham had faith, and it was credited to him as righteousness, right? Faith is a big, big, big part of, of, our, of our, our doctrinal beliefs. It's a big part of our relationship. To, to actually believe that there is a God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and it takes a it, it takes a miracle. It takes it takes a spiritual miracle to get there. Um, I, I firmly believe that, that that what Scripture says: we didn't love God first; He loved us first, and He's the one calling our names. We're not calling out for Him, and we're responding to God. One of the things my my uh, theology instructor Elmer Towns once told me is: God demands a response. Now, your response can be, no, thank you. It can be, I don't want to. It can be, I don't believe in you. It can be whatever, but God demands a response. You can't just read about Jesus and not have any comment about that. It demands a response. And there's only a couple of responses you can give, right? But if you give the response, yeah, I believe all this stuff. And because the Holy Spirit has, has revealed to you these things, right? And you're a believer. You're going to be a fool. Now, this is really hard, uh, and this this is why I find it hard, especially as men. Men, we don't like being fools, humiliated. We don't like being in that position. Uh, it's not part of our alpha male D DNA, and that's why God calls us to humility. We're called to back off in terms of our natural responses to things. This is why for men, when we are called to die to ourselves, we're called to die to those emotions of defending things, taking on, attacking, getting angry, all the stuff men do. We're called to die to that. And that's, wow, that's, I can't tell you how hard that is. That's brutal uh, because it's so natural for us. And nobody likes to be humiliated. Nobody likes to play the fool. Nobody likes, uh, you know, getting hate letters and stuff like that. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't particularly enjoy it. I, I'm not like I used to. In the old days, I would have fired that guy up. I would have just lit him up on stuff. But, uh, you know, taken on every single one of his arguments and, and pounded him on it. Um, now it's like, hey, brother, that's how you feel that way, and love you, and uh, God loves you, and you know, is what it is. I'm not, I'm not going to do that, because God's humbled me, and he's had to humble me a lot, believe me, to get me to a place where I will be a fool. And, uh, um, yeah, if you look at the history of the church, if you look at the history, just, t just take the disciples and what they went through, and uh, they looked foolish. I mean, you get, you get Paul, for example, on Mars Hill when he went to Greece. And he's arguing with the Stoics, and he's arguing with uh, the philosophers about about the unknown God, which is his God. And they, they basically kick him out of town, um, write him out on the rail. He looked like a fool to them because they were pantheists and, and 
you know, the, the whole philosophy piece and all that, his explanation to them was foolishness. And that's why scripture says those who are perishing, those who are going to hell, what we say is foolishness to them. And, and so you got to understand that this is what they call the great reversals. The great reversal is this. In Psalm 14.1, God tells us, only fools say in their hearts, there is no God, right? So what, what God does is he basically says, no, really, in reality, you're not the fool. In reality, you're the wise. In reality, you're the one that knows the truth, right? And even though in this fallen world, and yes, it's a fallen world, my friend, um, guess what? It's the folks that think they know stuff that don't know what they're talking about. Because what they're doing is they're being their own gods. This is this is the the, the greatest the, this is the greatest blinding that Satan does to people. Think about this. When when Satan rebelled against God, he wanted to put his throne higher than God's. So basically, what that meant was he wanted to be God. He thought he should run the show. And since the fall, God kicked him out of heaven. Right, a third of the angels. Satan's been trying to get us, God's gloried creation, to be our own gods. So, so what do you do? How do you do that? Well, first you get them to reject the God, right? You make them think there is no God or that God's wrong about stuff and you're smarter. And then you pry on their pride to make them think that, oh, you're so smart, you can figure this out yourself, right? God, same thing he did to Eve. Oh, surely you won't die. Your eyes will be open. You'll be like God. It's the same argument. And... And then he convinces you that you're so smart that you don't need God uh, or you know better than God and all the stuff of God is just foolishness, including his people. And then once you think that his people are fools, then they become lesser than. And, and, and once God's people are lesser than you, it's okay, to, it's okay to oppress them. It's okay to persecute them. And that's what happened in Rome. I mean, that's honestly what's happened to the Jews throughout their entire history. Uh, People consider them lesser than because they're fools. They're fools of God. And, yeah, I mean, you, you could just see the pattern. But how powerfully did God work through the Jews? How powerfully did God work through the disciples? How powerfully did he work through the fools of the church fathers and, and, and the church throughout history, right? Uh, here's what I think is really fun. Uh, so we have an Adventist hospital, for example, and you have St. Vincent's Hospital, and you have St. Jude's Children's Hospital, and you have, uh, I mean, the Adventist system's a whole system, right? you got uh, Providence, uh, which is a healthcare. We have your good, good Sam up in Portland, Oregon, all these things. You know they're all religious hospitals, right? You, you know they're all church-based. <laughs> One of the things the church, the church does incredibly well is healthcare. And... But the fools, who's the fools? Us doing that or the people out there perishing that don't even recognize that the hospitals, the main hospitals they're going to um, are uh, uh, of the Christian faith. It, it cracks me up because they're so blinded and they're so jaundiced and they're so prejudiced, they don't even see it. And Satan's got them completely blinded. So, so, so the fellow calls me delusional. I feel bad for him. I, I actually want him to come to faith because I think it would... Um, Give him uh, comfort in a lot of areas he's struggling. Uh, the fellow that, that, that uh, what did he say about me? He said that, 
Uh, it's rubbish. I don't have an ounce of intelligence. Blah blah blah. Uh, doesn't agree with anything I say. Uh, he obviously he's hurting, right? You know, you don't say that kind of stuff unless you got something going on. He was talking about his disabilities, and obviously he's bitter about having been born with this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I can get it. Uh, but I want him to come to faith so he can have healing. And but only way you come to faith is have the faith of a child, right? Which is foolishness. Because we've already said the doctrines of the faith, it's foolishness to the world. I mean, think about if you didn't have God. If you were just average Joe, you know, citizen. Would you believe any of this stuff? I mean, can you can you believe a talking talking donkey? You know? Can can you believe um I, I don't know. I mean, there's so much. Uh, giants? Nephilims? Can you believe that that, that uh, uh, a 10-year-old boy threw a rock and hit a 9-foot giant in the head and killed him? I, I mean, there's so much in there, you just go, mm, I don't know. And I, I'll tell you, there are so-called Christians, I say so-called, that don't believe this stuff. They're in the, they're in the church, and they say, oh, you know, that's, that's a story, or, you know, that's not true. And then once you say something in the Bible is not true, it's everything in the Bible is not true because you don't get to pick and choose it's either is or isn't and that's the hard part about the Bible is there's stuff in there all of us would like to take out and go hey, no, 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 I don't think you either buy it or you don't and and so this is why it's so foolish let me read you uh, Romans 120 for since the creation of the world God's invisible qualities his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Okay, So right there in Romans, first chapter, uh, Paul's kind of laying it out and saying, you don't get to say there isn't a God. It's pretty obvious. It's so obvious. Uh, everything that's made, all the invisible qualities of God are there. And it gets, it, that gets you into the science-faith debate. I've always said that science is man's way of trying to explain what God did. Uh, I was thinking about this the other day. You know, you think about about creationism versus the science of Big Bang and all that. And I, and I always ask people, what's more plausible? Something came from nothing or something came from something? Because in science, there's always a first cause, right? And in science, you have to use the scientific method. We all learned that in middle school. You got to have a hypothesis and then you've got to have a test and then you got to have to prove the test. And once you prove the test, then you got to be able to repeat it. And then you got the scientific method and you have something that goes from theory to fact. And without being able to do the scientific method you don't have fact you have theory right and so you look at science they create the the evolutionary science and all those type of things you go one it's a theory they can't create it the, the, the hypothesis don't work out and they've never been able to repeat it more or less get it right the first time two um the problem with science is if you keep going back what's the first cause what's the first cause what's the first cause you don't just have an explosion out of nowhere for big bang there has to be a first cause Things don't happen out of nothing, right? There's no inertia. There's all sorts of physics problems with that. How do you get something from nothing? And that's the one they can't explain. So they say, well, there's always been something. Well, there can't always have been something. Where did that come from, right? And and, and that just perpetuates itself in the, in the argument over and over and over again. Well, then people say, well, you can't prove God. It's like, we're not trying to. See, we, we're not trying to use science to prove, prove God. What we do is we say, Think think about your science. You had a one-cell amoeba and a primordial ooze, yet we're the only sentient beings. We're the only ones that, you know, have morality. Animal, animal world doesn't have morality. We're the only ones that created a good and evil. We're the only ones that have 
you know, what do what we do. Why? Uh, uh, if something else should have evolved, and something else in this, if the science world, they should they should have been paralleling us, right? But it didn't. Yeah, so I tell people, you want to make a tree, uh, you know, you, you want you want to be God, you want you, you want okay, but start with nothing, and make a tree. Go ahead, start with a one cell amoeba and make a tree. I don't care, you know. And that's the the problem is people pit the science and, and, and religion against each other. And I think science is great. I think science is really important. As a matter of fact, most of the early science that that we look at is as the foundations of our science were done by Christians, people of faith. And I so I don't think there's I don't think there's a, an argument. But what God says is a fool says in his heart there is no God, because the invisible qualities of God, the eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen in everything that's been created. So men are without excuse. So what God's really laying down here, He's laying down the law, saying you have no excuse. You know there is no excuse for you. People say, well, you know, a loving God wouldn't send anybody to hell. He's not. He's not sending anybody to hell. You are without excuse. You you look around and you deny God. How? Well, you do all sorts of mental gymnastics and biblical uh, ups and downs and trying to just to prove this and that. And, and, and you'll do anything you can to try to make sure you don't have to believe in God. Well, and here's the reason why. Okay. I, I saw a great meme the other day. It said... Uh, had the Hawkins guy, you know, the guy in the wheelchair, he said, uh, um, said, religion is for those who are afraid of the dark. And then responding to that was some Oxford mathematician PhD that said, <laughs> he said, atheism is for those who are afraid of the light. And I love that response because that's been my experience. People who reject God, people reject this idea that the foolishness that we have as Christians, right? that reject it are people that don't want to have something bigger than them. They don't want to be held accountable to anything larger than them. They want to be their own God and they are certainly don't want to be told what to do. And this is why you get some people that are angry. I mean, they're angry when you mention Christianity. They get really offended. I'm so offended. What are you offended by? You know, if you think I'm a fool and I'm, uh, you know, I'm just going to die and rot in the ground. What do you care? Who cares? I mean, you just laugh at me. I don't care. Um, but like this guy that that the guy that said that was delusional. He wasn't. He wasn't an angry one. But this guy's a little bit angry. And I've run into a couple of these guys. And, and again, for the life of me, I don't know why they read my blogs because you know it, it's clear that my blogs are Christian based. But oh, whatever. He's angry, um, and he's angry about his condition. I think that if you you were to really press him, he's probably angry at God over his condition of disability, some other things. But but. These folks get angry as fools, and I would tell you that I think that there's a couple reasons they're angry. So I'm going to ask you a question: Who's the person that's angriest with God right now? It's a trick question. It's Satan. Lucifer has always been the person that's angriest with God. He got kicked out. He didn't get to have his throne above God's throne, and he and a third of the angels um, got kicked out. That was it. And, and so he's angry. And what he's vowed to do is do anything he can to undercut and destroy God's work. You know? and, and, and so how does, what does that look like? Well, we know that he blinds people to the truth. And the truth is, one, there's a God. And two, there's a Trinity. 
and three, the only way through the to the Father through the Son, right? Four, we're all sinners. Um, every one of us uh, are are destined for hell unless we accept the the gift of of grace uh, through our faith uh, that Jesus Christ died on a cross for our sins, right? You know all the doctrine. That's the truth, and it gets blinded. Satan tries to blind people in that, but he also, you know, people get really angry when you when you start talking about God. Uh, and I, and I don't, again, I don't get it. I mean, I'd rather have someone just like Ben laughing and saying, you're, you're delusional, man. Ben, I, I, it's hard to live like you do, okay, but I still like it. Okay, great. Um, it's the other ones, though, that are angry. I think they're actually being oppressed and in bondage to Satan. Because why be angry? I mean, if you, there are people out there that believe in crystals. I, I, it cracks me up. You know, the crystal around the neck. My crystal, crystal doesn't do anything, man. It's a piece of rock. I don't get angry at them. I just, I, I actually think it's kind of amusing. There are people out there that that believe all sorts of stuff. I don't believe. There's there are people out there that 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 act out in ways against this. I'm not mad at them. It's their choice. But when you're oppressed by Satan, when you're when spiritual warfare, right? Because Scripture tells us that our fight's not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and 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 all these different uh, uh, dimensions and a hierarchy of angels which are demons, right? That's when you get angry. And you, you, you find it offensive when someone talks about Jesus to you. And they'll say all sorts of things. More people have died in the name of religion. Well, that's not true. Check, check out communism sometime. Um, and in terms of the religious wars, that wasn't God's plan. You know, people want to judge Jesus based upon his people. And you never should do that. Um, we're all sinful. We're all, we're all deserving of hell. Trust me. And the only righteousness we have is in Christ. And then, and then, even when that happens, you have to accept the transformation piece. Because if you're not transformed into a new creation of Christ, it doesn't matter what you think you said. Okay? And so, yeah, there's angry people out there. And to them, we're not just fools. We're enemies. You know, it goes from, you're an idiot for believing that, to, I'm really angry at you that you would believe that. And you're a dangerous person because you believe that. And I hate you. And you're my enemy. It's going to happen. And, and you just go, and that's why God tells us to love our enemies, right? How about this? Jesus says, love your enemies. Well, why? Because it's a spiritual battle. They're being oppressed by Satan. The things that, that they're believing and saying and doing are, are all uh, spiritual warfare. Shouldn't we be praying for those people? Shouldn't we be loving those people? Shouldn't we be caring about them? Because they're oppressed. And that's maybe why Jesus said that. Pray for those per pray for those persecute you. Pray for your enemies, right? Um, maybe it's why God said, "Vengeance is mine; don't judge." And He also says, "Look, remember this." He says, "As you judge others, it'll be judged unto you. It'll be measured to you." Which means, if you're being judgmental towards somebody for whatever, that's how God's going to look at you. You can't stand. You can't stand before God um, and accept a judgment the same way you judge other people. But God says, vengeance is his. He says, justice is mine. So you think, well, that's great. The Hitlers and the Maos and the Stalins of the world, they get theirs. Um, they, they actually are going to be before God and have justice. I don't have to worry about justice, which means I don't have to worry about what happens to me. I don't have to worry about any of that kind of stuff. I don't have to have accountability. I don't have to do all the worldly stuff that we talked about. Uh, I, can, I can be a fool. I can be humiliated. I can be abused. I can be taken advantage of. I can be called names. I can do all that stuff. If in America, we're not getting burned at the stake or anything. Um, 
all that stuff can happen and I can just go yep every word that comes out of the mouth of a man will be judged by God when when you when you go before him and all of this is going to come up right um, I've had Christians and again I put quotes around that do horrible things say horrible things about me lie about me um, undercut me uh, all sorts of stuff the stories I could tell you uh, and they're gonna and I just I shake my head you know you're gonna be in front of Jesus you just don't get this you're trying to live you're trying to live both ways you're trying to live a foot in the world and act like the world does and a foot with Christ saying I'm saved but you'll know them by their fruit and what scripture says is the fruit of a Christian peace love joy patience kindness goodness gentleness faithfulness self-control good works right all of those things forgiveness mercy grace all, all the stuff we talk about all that is foolishness to the world because the world is based on social Darwinism which is the strong survive and when you're weak Remember what Paul said, I got a thorn in my side and I pleaded for you to get, let, to get rid of it. And God said, uh, no, my grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. And so we're supposed to be weak because then Paul says, I will boast even more in my weakness because it gives glory to God. And that, that, that's crazy talk. That, who, who wants to do that? Uh, that's what we're called to. right? And that's why we're called to do dumb things like uh, share your sins with each other. Have an accountability partner to hold you accountable to the faith, right? Why you're supposed to, before you go to the altar to give your gift, reconcile to your brother who has a problem with you. And, you know, all this stuff that, that the world would never do, ever do. So, Scripture tells us that the gate is narrow and few find it. Find it. They, they got looking. You've got to find the gate. You've got to ask, seek, and knock, right? We have a responsibility in this. And the world won't do it because, you know, that's that's crazy, right? You know, God should give me stuff because I'm such a great person, right? He made me. I never decided to be here. I had no choice in the matter. <laughs> you hear all these arguments, right? So as we as we think about this tonight, and I might make it a short night because I I could pound on this for a long time, but I think I'd be killing a dead horse. Um, you got to think about your life. I guess this is the object lesson that I've been thinking about on this. Are there areas in your life where you're not a fool for God? Are there areas in your life where you get um, your your, bo your back bowed, so to speak, and you rise up and you act in a worldly way? Is it in your relationships? Is it at work? Is it in, in um, uh, I don't know, any, any kind of scenario, church, whatever it is? And if so, you, you, you've got to ask yourself the question, is that what Jesus is expecting of me as his ambassador, as his representative? Is that the walk I want to walk? Is that the witness I want to give somebody? Because if I'm going to shame the wisdom of this world, if I really am going to take on this, this, this evil, worldly wisdom, I'm told directly in Scripture the way to do it is to be a fool. Because it is the foolish things of the world that shame the wise right and I'm not gonna say it's gonna shame you like right now immediately you're not gonna see big results you may not know till the end of the world who knows but I know you have a role to play in that as a Christian everyone one of us has a role to play in that um, 
And so when I think about my life, there are areas where I get bowed up and, and it's really hard for me to play the fool. It's not natural. It's not comfortable. It's not, not what I want to do. Uh, but that's what I'm called to do. And, and so what comes first? What you want to do or what you're called to do? I, I, for me, my life, what I've chosen is, is what I'm called to do. Uh, you know, it was, it was Joshua that said, uh, today pick who you're going to follow. But for me and in my house, we choose to follow the Lord. But when you say that, it's not an idle, I'm going to follow the Lord. It means I'm going to do everything he tells me. And if we're going to do everything God tells us, then we have to be fools for God. And that means um, loving people that are unlovable, right? Praying for those that would just rip you apart if they could. Uh, humbling yourself in, in times when you know you're right and the other person's wrong. You, you don't always have to be right. You don't always have to win. Uh, sometimes you can leave that, that justice up to God. Uh, not worrying about yourself. You know, Scripture, Jesus told us, don't worry about your about your um, uh, about your body. Worry about, you know, he said, don't worry about who can harm your body or kill your body. R worry about who can kill your body and your soul. Focus on the right thing, which is God. Uh, don't be afraid of whatever happens to you in life because, you know, God's got it covered. And there will be justice, and you're, you're going to live forever anyway. You have eternity, so don't sweat it. Uh, don't give so much, don't give so much uh, value to the stuff of this world, except for the kingdom work you're doing, right? Uh, so you got to have a different perspective. And so I, I just want to want to challenge you and say, <clears throat> are, you, are you able to, to categorize and, and analyze uh, where you're not really being the fool? I know in my life where it is. Uh, I know there's areas where I need to really work on this because, um, again, it's not natural. So I have to change my natural reaction for a action that's intentional. And, and I, you, could, you can't believe how much better I am at this than I used to be. Uh, but I got to work on it. I mean, it's, it's a lifelong, it's a lifelong thing of, of crucifying the flesh, as Scripture says. I need to crucify the flesh with, with Christ so that I can uh, represent Him and walk with Him and be a good witness uh, in that. So, if you want a little exercise until I see you again, which I, it might be Sunday. I'm not sure when I see you again. Um, try this. Write down. Here are the areas where I'm not a fool for Christ. This is an area where. I am worldly. This is how I act. Okay, so when um, the the I, this is where, where I have problems. I just tell you, I know, and I know you do too. So I don't, I don't, I'm not alone. So I'm on the phone with CenturyLink. Actually, I'm on a chat with CenturyLink today, and and uh, some months ago, I, I disconnected the home phone, and I, they were promised me that nothing would happen to my internet. Well, something happened to my internet. It lowered the speed by half, and they're telling me that that that. I've always had that speed, which of course I've not, and they're just a bunch of knuckleheads. And that fires me up because um, bad customer service and those people out wanting to help, that just, that just, mm. and I just had to do my best today to uh, be polite and let people know. Um, I'm frustrated, sorry for the tone, but you know, this is going round and round. We've been doing this for two months, blah, blah, blah. So I got to humble myself because these people, in my mind, you know, almost, almost deserve a blanket party uh, for what they're doing because they're lying. And um, they're not doing the right thing. And uh, I run enough businesses where I know what the right thing to do is, and they're not doing it. And so that gets frustrating. How about you? Is it the road rage issues you have when people pass you at Mach 6 or, or drive in front of you at like 20 miles an hour in a 45? 
Is it uh, customer service issues? Is it uh, crowds? Is it your marriage? And where is it that you're not acting the fool for, for Christ? And then you just, I don't, I don't take them all at once. Okay, this is, the, this is the mistake people make. There's an old saying in politics, you eat an apple one bite at a time. Because if you swallow the whole thing, you'll choke. Pick one thing to work on. Just one. And start replacing your reaction with an intentional action. Until that becomes the habit. And then pick the next one. And I would say start with the low-hanging fruit. Start with the easiest one. Right? And eventually, you may find yourself being more comfortable playing the fool. Especially if you can get it through here that God is using you powerfully to shame the wise. So I'm going to keep blogging and saying the same stuff I'm saying. And I'm sure that, that the haters out there are going to get upset uh, as I do it. And that's okay. Um, you know, God love them. I'm, I'm hoping that the seeds I throw eventually take root. And, uh, uh, you know, God's word never returns to them empty. And so whatever happens after I say something is up to God, not up to me. The Holy Spirit will do what he's going to do. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, let, let's pray for each other that we can become more foolish. And we can be the fools that God created us to be. Amen? Amen. Hey, I hope you had a good Friday night. Uh, sorry I was a little uh, jumpy when I first started here and getting this thing started because I was late getting here. Um, but I will catch you. It is the 10th today. Um, I won't be back here for another Sunday and a half. So it'll be not this Sunday, but next Sunday I'll be back. Uh, and, and we'll catch up more on whatever God puts on my, on my little pea brain to talk to you about. Hope you have a great weekend.